welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources in how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Hello, everyone. First off, I'd like to remind you to go to www.basecampformen.com and sign up for my newsletter. And while you're there, please vote for your favorite episode of season one or episodes. You can choose more than one if you'd like. And it looks like we'll be airing our final season one episode on either January 7th or January 14th, depending on a few things. And I'll be letting you know about that. One of the subtopics we will continue to explore in season two is men's health and aging well. We all want to feel good and sometimes just a little more awareness of a situation goes a long ways. Has it started to dawn on you that our system is really not made for optimal health? If it was, we would have radically different outcomes than the ones we have now. It seems the chemical industry has partnered with the food industry and the municipal water companies to give us chemical compounds that may be making us sick. There's plenty of science to back this up if you care to take a look. Everyone I know is buying organic and questioning the system. Gone are the days of just putting our heads in the sand, assuming big corporations have our health in mind. I can't even say that with a straight face, actually. Eating a bunch of overprocessed food and then taking prescription drugs, again, more chemicals, to hopefully correct course and have us feel good. More and more people I meet and talk to are looking at creating the healthy road now for themselves, their families, and the communities they live in. So here's to 2020 being a healthier one for all of us. Here on Basecamp for Men, we will continue to share resources here with that end in mind. Thank you. Michael Anderson is a health and fitness expert from Australia with a company called Insight Training. For the past 10 years, Michael and his team have successfully helped people reach their health and fitness goals, no matter their circumstances. At age 32, he found Falun Gong, a cultivation way of the Buddhist school, and this changed his life to being more heart-centered. With this change of view, Michael began a journey of self-discovery, which culminated in the creation of the podcast, The Balance in Fitness. Here is my interview with Michael Anderson. All right. I am here with Michael Anderson of Balance in Fitness. Michael, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It is great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. I'm coming at you from down under, everyone. That's awesome. Where are, you, are you in Sydney or Brisbane? Where are you at down there? I'm in Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia. Melbourne. Very good. Very good. Awesome. So you're getting nice weather right now, I'm thinking? It's starting to change. We've had, you know, a pretty chilly winter. And okay. uh, funnily enough, I'm glad you mentioned it because uh, I was growing some uh, broad beans uh, mm-hmm. in a little uh, backyard garden that I've been nurturing for a couple of months now. And now that the weather's starting to break a little, they are just booming. So yes, we're definitely pounding into spring now. That's awesome. So one of the, the first question, I mean, we talk a lot about the hero's journey on our show and I'm just curious as a first question, what's what's your unique hero's journey been like? Like what were the two or the two or three forks in the road where you really kind of took the road less traveled and and were thankful that you did it? Like kind of sketch out to us, like how did you arrive at being this health expert? And uh yeah, what what was that what's that been like for you? Health expert. Well, yeah. You're de- you're really... definitely a you're definitely a health expert. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> no doubt. I tell you that, you know, one of the things that's changed so much is, and everyone knows this, like, for example, you look at all the conspiracy theory things that were conspiracy theory not so long ago, and mm-hmm. now everyone's realizing that they're true and it's covering politics, it's covering science, it's covering 
world societal uh, or world societal um, formation. But people are really linking into it now. And the people who really brought this forward, you couldn't call any of them really experts. A lot of the people that you mm. could call experts actually were the ones that had not a clue about where everything was going wrong. So, mm. I mean, that's, the, 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 you know, I wouldn't call myself a, a health expert, but looking at the journey of my life, you know, I, I had a really tumultuous upbringing. Um, my mother and father came here from France. I was, uh, you know, sort of uh, conceived in Paris and born in, in Melbourne, Australia. And as I was growing, um, like, you know, the, so, so many of our families at a very young age, my mother and father split up. And then I went with my mother for a while and she was all of like 20 years old with, with, with a, a year and a half old child trying to make it in a new land all by herself. And then uh, I ended up going back to France with my father uh, for a little while, which was supposed to be three months, ended up being two years, and then eventually came back and then sort of grew up, I guess you could say more normal because my father was a real hippie. And I mean, died mm. in the wool, living in a, in a blue igloo in the middle of hippie forests, uh, hippie. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was, you know, when I was really young, I grew up, you know, super basic really young. I grew up super basic till I was about six years old. And then when I started to live with my mum in Queensland uh, or the city of Brisbane at that time, that's when I really entered into what we would say now is a normal society or, or, or a modern society. So, you know, I grew up in that and I, as a kid, uh, I guess I, I was a really open-minded kid Nothing much affected me as a person. I was happy even if I was being beaten, to be honest. Not that I was, you know, I had kid uh, or parents that beat me, but I was a real, just a fairly happy kid. Like uh, mm -hmm. I didn't really take much to heart. And uh, then when I grew into a teenager, uh, my vanity kicked in. <laughs> nah. And listen, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a bit upbeat talking about vanity and and now it's become a norm basically that you know we look after ourselves we want to look good we want to do this we want to do that and so uh i remember i was i was uh, out of school and i was in the city and i was looking through um a news agency with uh here in in or when i was in brisbane and i saw a bodybuilding mag and i'm looking at this magazine and i'm thinking yeah i could do that i'm sure i could do that you know all these big steroided up bodybuilders, you know, yeah. uh, looking at it from sort of a 14-year-old's perspective. And so that was the journey where I delved into the fitness industry because mm. I just did it so wholeheartedly. It was like a part of my path. It really was. Like as soon as I looked mm. at the magazine, all right, that's what I'm doing. There was no, you know, kind of, yeah, this is what I want to do. And then three months after training, yeah, well, this is pretty boring actually, <laughs> you know, sort of yeah. clap my hands and let it go. It became a huge part of my life. And so- How long, how long did you do that for like hardcore bodybuilding? Oh, from 14 to 32. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, a good long so, time. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a really good long time. And so, yeah. you know, I'm, I was walking that journey, uh, just with training in the beginning, um, I hadn't yet entered boxing or any kind of fighting art. It, it, it was just bodybuilding by itself. And, mm -hmm. and then uh, I, I 
at 19, I uh, went and lived in England by myself as basically an adventure. And uh, something happened at that time. And I, I quite often talk about this in uh, The Balance in Fitness, where I was, uh, at that time, I'd, I'd been training quite a, you know, a, a number of years from 14 to 19. I was pretty big. I was natural, you know, so I'd never gone down any kind of uh, chemical or, or steroid path. And, <laughs> but people could see, you know, everyone, everyone was like, man, wow, how much you've changed. You're huge, blah, 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 blah. And so... <laughs> When I went to England, all of a sudden, it was the journey of complete instability. And so I'm 19 years old. I go to England on a whim with 400 Australian dollars in my pocket and a two-year visa and a one-way ticket. And mm -hmm. I'm there with two mates of mine that I'd made you know, a, year, a couple of years before. Within two weeks, these guys went and found a job on the other side of England in Sussex. And all of a sudden, I am seriously alone in the middle of London. And I had actually been lucky enough to find a job uh, three days after arriving. But I'd spent that two weeks up until the point where my friends left, I'd spent that two weeks living on pieces of pizza and anything I could afford, uh, which was very little. I was just eating garbage, basically. Mm -hmm. And what had happened was is that my entire physique felt like it had fallen away. In that, in that small period of time. My whole weather pattern changed. Uh, mm -hmm. I was eating next to nothing and whatever it was was garbage under immense stress uh, from the fact that all of a sudden, you know, at 19, I'm alone in, in a new country, in a new city. Yep. And I'm working the job. I'm getting paid next to no money. Uh, I've had to find an apartment. So I found an apartment and I'm really looking at life in a whole new perspective. That was, that was a game changer for me. And to me, that was one of the first steps of me becoming a man yep. where I had to truly live my life for that period, really, truly thinking about myself and really, truly sorting out my own head. Because you can imagine every little boy whim was coming through, man, I want to go home. You know, I want to get back yeah, to the family. Yeah. I want to get back to the fish and chip shop that I'm used to. I want to get back to the girls that I'm used to. I want to get back to the, you know, totally. all of these sorts totally. of things. So at that time, I've really, I've really had to suck it up. I remember uh, moving into this apartment and, um, and it was the coldest, bleakest looking thing that I've ever moved into. It was something that mm -hmm. backpackers usually, you know, spend time in and, and so I'm sitting out on the stairs of uh, this, this apartment block and the rain's pouring down. I'm in an area called Broccoli, which is in, mm -hmm. in London. And I'm looking out at the rain and I'm looking inside and, and I can just feel this depressive weight. And of course, mm -hmm. you know, there wasn't much to be happy about at that time. Yep. And one thought changed the whole ball game, which was man the hell up a little, all mm. right? Just yeah. get up, go to bed, get up tomorrow, work your day and start mm -hmm. living properly. And honestly, it changed everything. That whole weight came off me. And it the, the message that came through was, uh, the message that came through with that thought was just see the real power in the simple things that you actually have. And that was me. That was just me. That's great. My body, my yeah. mind. And so- 
something happened fairly soon after that uh, because everything picked up after that. I just worked hard at the job that I was at. And about two weeks later when I got paid, um, I used some of that pay to get a gym membership at a place called Jubilee Hall. Everyone can look that up on on Google. Uh, mm-hmm. Jubilee Hall had this amazing gym where um, even some of the, I think they called them gladiators. Back in the day when I was a kid, they had this uh, American show called, I think it was called The Gladiators or something like that, which was like this, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, oh, I can't, don't even know how to describe it. People were just doing these mazes and these obstacle courses. Yeah, yeah. That were super buff. Yeah, yeah. Cool, yep. cool. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, so anyway, some of the English gladiators were training at this gym, and so anyway, I've walked in feeling terrible because by that time it had been about five weeks that I hadn't done any training. Uh, when I moved into the apartment, I was living on rice, boiled rice with some sultanas. And occasionally, Mm -hmm. I'd have some tuna on top with some tomato sauce. That's what I was having every single night because that's all I could afford. And uh, at work, I was having one sandwich. So I'd just have any old sandwich that I got from Tesco's next door. And and then in the morning, generally, I wasn't hungry because, you know, at that time, I was living the way my body was telling me. In other words, when I was here in Australia, I'd have breakfast every morning and it'd be something that the magazines were telling me were good for my body. In other words, right. good for my bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. But when I was in England, that was all thrown away. I'd get up. If I wasn't hungry, I didn't eat because I wasn't thinking about bodybuilding. I was thinking about how I was going to make it through that day. Yeah. And then at lunchtime, I'd just eat whatever and, and it would it would suffice. And then at dinner time, I would eat whatever I could afford. So I was living very, very simple, raw uh, kind of uh, a nutritional format. So anyway, I've gotten into the gym and one of the first thoughts I remember was, it's going to take me forever to actually get myself back to what I was because I had stripped so much weight yeah. and uh, it what seemingly was so much weight. And so you're still, at this point, you've got this, you've taken this hero's journey over to England your friends left you, you're dirt poor, right? <laughs> and and you're having to strip off all of the things that were comfortable and even the things that you identified with. Like even, so now you can't eat fish and chips and you don't have the whole thing back home, but now you're, you're not even, you're still trying to get back to having your body look a certain way. So you still have a little bit of identity as I still maybe want to look a certain way physique wise, yeah. but you're, you're listening to your, you're listening to your body, but also you don't have the money to really be buying a lot of food at this point. Well, that's it. But the the, yeah. the, the most important part is the the identity I didn't know at that time was actually forming through the adversity that I was facing. Uh, that's one yep. of the most important points. Yep. It's like, yep. you know, one thing, it's so cushy in our worlds half the time that we let ourselves get upset about nothing, absolutely yeah. nothing. You know, we, we lose, we, someone cuts us off in the traffic, we think that's a, something to get upset about. You know, it's right. like it, my 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 character was forming through the adversity that life was putting me in, and also I had put myself in to a large sure. degree. That's great. I remember reading the the book, um, and how I remember being struck that cultivating virtue was really important in the book. And I remember thinking that it just was so fresh to read that virtue is almost like a physical property. You know, it's not this abstract thing. It's something that can be cultivated 
with practice. And I just remember being, wow, that is really profound um, to think that you can cultivate virtue. And in fact, it's a very, very high spiritual state that is worth spending time cultivating. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they do it. it like all of the serious, like you think about it, over the last few thousands of years, for these monks and these cultivators mm-hmm. that go into the mountains, think what they've got to give up to actually even go there. Like, yep. but then, you know, one thing I found with, with, uh, with Falun Gong was what you've got in your hand is really profound. But now you mm. can cultivate it here, cultivate it with your family, cultivate yeah. it at work, cultivate it, whatever you're doing, just cultivate these, these Buddhist school virtues. So mm-hmm. it was really like, it, it just, it, it changed my whole world. Like one of the things that changed was I all of a sudden realized how my ego had become so limiting to my yeah. manhood. Like, totally. whoa, did it like seriously yeah. do... I felt like I'd been sucker punched by my vanity. Yeah, I really did. Totally. And I actually realized that my whole world was about showing off every day. It was, yeah. it was, uh, it it really was. And it, I felt so pathetic that yeah. that's as good as I could do for this world. Just walk yeah. around, you know, strutting a a, a tan body. Yeah. And well, I mean, and and just oh. and to to spin on that a little bit. I mean, for me. You know, I, I have a meditation practice and stuff and it, it's gone so far as to, if there's any discord around me, it's, you can bet it's my ego <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's causing it. something. That is so if, true. If, I, if I don't like a situation, if I'm going, what the heck is going on <laughs> here? It's my ego trying to assert itself and say, what about me, 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 me? I'm not really thinking about the big picture or the heart space or divinity None of these things, these are all lost as I'm trying to look good or avoid looking bad or or trying to get my way or yeah. be right. Or just it's prove absurd. your point. And, or just prove yeah, or prove my point. point. You know, it, it, it's the most absurd thing, but it still happens, you know, almost every day. I go, what in the heck are you doing right now? Yeah, <laughs> this is not oh, part man. of the path. Now you yeah, talk so. my language. Now you talk yeah, my language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. even though, like, for example, I've been practicing uh, Falun Gong for must be 15 mm-hmm. years now, Yeah. every day... I must do the things that that I'm taught. I must control the things that are there. Mm-hmm. They're there. But I must sure. control them in order to raise my character. And so, of course, I'm heaps better at it now 15 years later. But you still yeah. get tripped up all the way along the path. Absolutely. you got to do it. you got to do it. And even Absolutely. in everyday life, you look at the way we're so messed up now that we can't even make simple just boyfriend and girlfriend relationships work, let alone our marriages. So right. all of the virtues, actually, one thing I did notice too when I started practicing was the common things back a couple of generations ago that parents taught to their children mm-hmm. are actually so profound, so profound and deeply networked into this moral code that all of the true spiritual faiths um, teach and follow mm-hmm. that, you know, we can't step away from the fact that one of the reasons why we're in a bit of a mess in modern day society and relationships between humans is because we've stepped away from simple codes of principles. And that, like mm-hmm. if we, man, we dig into our manhood, we can take that into a, into that dimension as well because, you know, it, it's just been so pummeled 
the society yeah. is pummeled what a man should be, pummeled what a woman should be. So yes. we need to be able to look at it in more of a traditional spiritual sense and it just clicks, bang. All of a sudden we realize, wow, okay, now I'm on the right path. That's great. I, I, I wanted to shift gears a little bit because I, I came across something that you wrote about chemicals in our food, chemicals in our water. And I, I live in a really progressive city in the States. I live in Seattle and Seattle's, uh, you know, we, we've got a lot of uh, co-ops and organic food and farmers markets. And a lot of people um, like to eat and uh, eat healthy food, eat whole foods and all these things. But there's still a sense myself included that it's not a life or death thing. Like it's more expensive to buy organic food, but we're, we're a pretty affluent city so we can afford it. And the sense when you talk to people is it's a bit better, you know, like 15% better for yourself to eat organic. But the more that I read about it and speaking with you and reading some of your articles and stuff, there's more to it than that, isn't there? There's an incredibly vast world that has laid over the top of especially Australia, America, Europe, mm -hmm. um, England. There's a, a, a vast layer. I, I often call it in my podcasts a sticky substance. And mm -hmm. this layer has, has really done uh, a real sucker punch on our societies. Now, one of the things that, that really people are linking into is why are we farming the way we are now where it mm -hmm. kills the soil uh we're doing it nearly uh or, or i should say more and more to a huge degree in this modern day with these gmo grains uh they're asking what are gmo grains they're asking why are we putting chemicals, constant chemicals onto our food. They're, they're asking, why are the chemicals so strong in our water, our tap water? Mm -hmm. uh, for example, uh, all of these areas people are becoming awake to. And you and I were just talking before about the natural state of this spiritual primal awakening that so many people are feeling. And mm -hmm. congruently, People are actually waking up to the fact that mass modern-day industries have played and are playing a massive part of the widespread ill health that is mm -hmm. uh, literally uh, destroying so much of the strength of our men and women and children in the society. Now, yeah. everyone sees lots of scary stories on Facebook posts or Instagram or this or that. These are because people are waking up to the fact that chemicals, pharmaceuticals, mm -hmm. um, processed foods, the substances that they make out of a single corn cob to sweeten other foods, what they do to that corn makes it a toxic, toxic waste. But it's sweet. Mm -hmm. So people are waking up to all this, but one thing that everyone hasn't really woken up to yet is how dramatic a part it plays in cancer, in multiple sclerosis, mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the fact that our children are being born now with these things they're calling Asperger's, or they're calling mm -hmm. all kinds of mental things 
that are just unexplainable and never seen to even just two generations ago. So, for example, yeah. one of the things that uh, I mentioned quite often is the chemical atrazine. Now, atrazine is just uh, a spray that they've been spraying for decades over 50% of all corn crops. And you think they use that corn to make all kinds of sweeteners and everything in nearly all of our foods. And it's sprayed on golf courses, forestries. Um, it's sprayed everywhere. But now they've already proven that this stuff is actually altering altering the sexual orientation of both mammals and amphibians, actually mm. altering it completely, not just <laughs> feminizing, but completely changing it. Now, this if you try to conceive this, this one chemical atrazine is so widely used in millions and millions of pounds every year over the course of America. You think yeah. about what all of the other chemicals that the chemical industry has actually made completely prolific in the society are doing to our health, are doing to mm -hmm. the health of our minds. If there's a chemical that's widely used and that is still widely used, that actually alters your mind that much to make you think that you're a woman instead of a man and vice versa. Think mm -hmm. about what else is being affected. But quite often people will say to me when I'm talking to them, but man, that's too, that's too big. <laughs> what you just said is like, whoa. Yeah. And I say to them, listen, yeah. the fact that we are still powerful as human beings mm -hmm. through all of this inundation lets you know one thing. Stepping around all this stuff isn't really that hard. First, you need to be mm -hmm. aware, and that's what the balance and fitness brings. We just bring you awareness, but then we always say to you, don't freak out. All we have to do is start to look differently at the foods we're eating and, uh, and be aware of what's actually in those foods, where those compounds actually come from, what they're actually made mm -hmm. of, and what they're already proven to do to the human body and how bad it is, and start to make changes. And even to the point where one of the mums said to me, oh, but, you know, I'm in Minnesota. We have virtually no organic foods around us, blah, blah, blah. And I said to her, look, do you know that every time you do your fruit and veggie shopping, throw it into your, into your sink with some warm mm -hmm. water, one tablespoon of bicarb soda, let it sit in there for 10 minutes, pull them all out, and all the chemicals are gone. They've already proven it. Yeah. And she's like, right. you've got to be kidding me. That's what the balance in fitness brings is this awareness that, yes, there are the, the actual causes of aerial health are much different than you might think, but to step around those things is actually an easy step. Do, do you, Michael, do you advise your clients and your listeners, do you have, say, stay away from sugar as much as you can, or are you kind of like, be careful? Where, where, where do you stand on this sugar thing? Because I know there's a lot of there's a lot of hidden sugars. Like you can go to the coffee shop and you think, oh, I'm not really getting much sugar. But if you get a scone or a muffin, you're getting a boatload of sugar. Exactly. You're just not exactly. They're just not calling it that. Yeah. But do you do you tell people just read labels and know how much sugar you're getting, or do you say, hey, look, the more you can stay away from it completely, the better your health will be? We what we talk about in the balance is don't go to extremes. The fact is, we're mm -hmm. all busy. That's not going to change for a while. Yeah. I guarantee it. The fact is, right. every family is stretched. And that's not going to change for a little while either. So we can't go to extremes and go, you know what? Zero sugar from now on. Some people right. can and some people will, but very few can. And if you can, well, then that's great. What we often talk mm -hmm. about is, one, sugar is not just sugar anymore. 
you can't understand sugar the way it was 200 years ago because it ain't the same thing. Right. And the right. sweeteners that they put into our foods, when they talk about the sweeteners that are in foods, they can come from 30 different sources, all of them being mm -hmm. horrific for the human body, but all of them being put in large amounts into nearly all what we call common processed foods from a cafe or a supermarket. And these are breads, they're everything, crackers, everything. Meats, meats are huge with these crazy, crazy um, altered sugars. So yeah. what we talk about is be aware. The thing that brings yeah. the change is not you having to follow every single step we tell you. That's really not awareness in and of itself. Awareness is to understand the truths around you, get a bit of advice on the kind of ways you can step around them, and then start to make your own journey in it, your own path. That's great. I, your, the sugar talks reminded me, I took a, a nutrition class here in Seattle. And uh, one of the first things that she did was she had all these drinks and foods on the table. And she had these uh, sugar cubes. And she had piles of sugar cubes oh, next to each one well representing how much sugar was in one. So you saw like an energy drink and it had like, you know, 42 sugar cubes. I mean, you're just looking at the amount That's it. of each one and going, oh my Lord, what am I doing to myself? Like, you know, this is just and listen, ridiculous. You've taken up a whole yeah. new dimension here because why do we believe these things are good for us? Now, you want to know one of the major parts of ill health is this. And everyone, listen, we... At one stage in our societal uh, formation, took upon one thing. We said to ourselves, okay, money makes the world go round now. And we all rely on money for absolutely everything in our existence. So if I make something that doesn't kill people on the spot, it doesn't kill you straight away. If I make something, and as long as it doesn't kill you as soon as you eat it, well, then it's fine. Yeah. Okay. Now, we also went even a step further where um, a man called Edward Bernays, uh, quite a while back, he was actually the nephew of Sigmund Freud. And we know quite a few things from those areas. And what he realized was the frailty of the human mind to be brainwashed and manipulated so easily. And what he did back then, he was called the founding father of marketing and spin. That's, that's actually his legacy. What he did was take in a lot of Sigmund Freud's teachings. And Sigmund Freud was the one who pushed um, uh, heroin very strongly mm -hmm. with, into society. And he took all those teachings and then he started to manipulate with propaganda and um, uh, what do you call it, orchestrated events in the society to make people start to buy or think certain ways. He actually mm -hmm. was the founding father who first started to do that in America and Europe. Now, if you think about one of the most exquisite things about the human mind is our innocence. And some of you might think, hey, I'm not innocent. <laughs> but in actual fact... Sure. At an actual human level, 
One of the most beautiful things about us is our innocence. It allows us to be brothers to people we don't even know, sisters to people we don't even know. It allows us to take people in when they're in urgent need. It allows us to believe the man that we're talking to and respond accordingly with with a sense of dignity. What they did was take that beautiful thing and make people's senses of understanding what's right and wrong completely distorted so that we would simply buy, 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 buy everything that they pushed. Sure. So when yeah. when we think about health, guys, we must stop thinking about it from the, if I eat less meat, I'm going to be super healthy, or if I eat keto, or if I become a vegan, or if I become vegetarian, or if I do this or that or everything else. These things are elements of good, that's for sure. But When it comes to understanding and empowering ourselves with what's around us, we must look at bigger pictures. So when you think about it, didn't they do such a great job with what is now over a century of solid marketing? The companies Mm -hmm. like Johnson & Johnson, who have just been found as one of the biggest opioid pushers in history, they've just been sued and they were successfully sued for, I think it was $574 million. They... We, they were made their size by actually marketing around this Edward Bernays's principles for decades. And we trust them to look after the health of our babies and ourselves. But when you think about the history of where Johnson & Johnson comes from, like is, is shown in, a, in an, an amazing video called The Era of Wisdom, everyone, Go and have a look at that video on YouTube, The Era of Wisdom. They course back the history of all of our pharmaceutical and chemical industries, and the history is shocking. And the way that we actually got to living a life where we use a chemical for everything in our world is shocking, but we don't know it. That's because of the innocence of our gorgeous human hearts. But that innocence was taken advantage of, and we need to, what I say on the show, man up and woman up and just start to realize those things are affecting both our bodies and our minds. Why did, one of the major reasons why we get to the point where um, we can't handle anything in our world. We seem to have depression for the smallest reasons, or we seem to get angry, or we seem to this, or we seem to that. This is an element. So again, when we look at the bigger picture of health, it really blows away trying to eat less carbs or trying to eat less fat, it really makes a big difference. And when you look at it that way, you empower yourself to make your own path and be able to strengthen your the, the health of your family and yourself, body and mind. We, we talk about initiations and hero's journey for that very reason. I think okay. in particular, young boys that are becoming men to have a place where they can go and get the male wisdom, what's really going to be important. It's not all the material stuff. It's not what kind of car you drive or, you know, what your clothes look like. It's this inner development that is the crucial part. So it's, I'm in total alignment with that. And I just want to thank you, Michael, for coming on the show. I so appreciate who you are, all the work that you're doing on balance and fitness and all the people that are being touched and inspired by your conversations. I feel like you're opening up new thoughts. Um, people are investigating things like never before. And you're part of that. Um, in my, in my eyes, you're a thought leader in this area. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and, uh, you know, come back again and good luck with balance and fitness. I hope it has a long, long life because it'll, it'll reach a lot of people. You're more than welcome. And to everyone listening, 
we need to take in everything that we're learning and truly develop those characters. This is a really pronounced importance now. But thank you. Thank you for having me here. There were many things that Michael said that stayed with me after our conversation. I loved how we started off by saying that the so-called experts rarely move the conversations forward as they are conditioned by the very system that is often working against us. Makes sense to me. And what Michael said about his character being formed because of adversity completely aligns with my own findings. We are rarely tested when things are going our way. It's when life rolls up its sleeves and starts to go sideways or even upside down that is the true making of our character. And lastly, I love how authentic Michael was being when he was talking about ego and vanity and the need to look good and be right. We've all been there many times and will no doubt stumble over there again. It's okay. In many ways, we are learning our way to a better world and a better version of ourselves. So, my dear listeners, be patient, have a little faith in the process, and do your best to be gentle with both yourself and with others. Thank you. That's our show for today. Man, remember that the story of your life is not yet all told. I'm Tony Rezac, and thank you for listening to Basecamp for Men.